Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like building a bigger pipeline with real customers leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this Deep Sales, and LinkedIn has built the first Deep Sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast. That's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. Welcome to the Millionaire Mindcast, where we broadcast weekly interviews with millionaire minds from across the globe to empower you on your journey of unlocking a rich and fulfilling life. It's time to unleash your millionaire within. Now, here's your host, Maddie A. What's going on, Millionaire Mindcast fam? Welcome into today's show. Mr. Breedwell, what up? How you feeling? I'm feeling great. Oh, I had a little yawning? bit of a yawn this morning. Hey, man, I had to bring the friend. How dare you? Had some friends in from out of town. Had to bring them to the airport this morning. Was back in, surprise, surprise, Napa. Um, You're home away from home. Yeah, you know, I love it out there. But uh, just hanging out. Got uh, some interesting uh, updates on some market metrics, cryptocurrency, doing some fun things. So just another great week in the in the land of money. Well, we got some updates for you guys. A lot of stuff going on around the world, really, which yep. is uh, always interesting how that trickles back into the U.S. markets and how we bake kind of global dynamics into our decision-making on you know Main Street and Wall Street. Correct. We'll be talking about that today. Joe Rogan still on the news. Mm. Someone coming to his rescue, Mr. Dave Portnoy. We'll talk a little bit about that. I, I think it's important to talk about some of these things in terms of censorship, cancel yeah. culture, yep. and ultimately how that ties back into money. We've got uh, some updates in terms of what's going on with the Ukraine and Russia tensions. Um, I wanted to touch on a cool story um, in the NFT space. I've been doing a lot more research and digging in on the NFT space and got a cool story there that I think will be very interesting for people who want to use NFTs as crowdfunding. Obviously, a lot of dangers and downsides to it. But when done right, I think there's some cool opportunities there that I'm exploring how that ties in real estate. And we got some updates for you on the real estate front. If you guys are new to the show, welcome in. We talk all things money on this podcast. We love money, but not the expense of your core values, your morals, and living intentionally and like a millionaire in all areas 
of your life. So with that being said, we love to touch on all the different gardens and topics, not just being a millionaire in your bank account, but living like a millionaire as a person, as a leader, as a business owner, as an investor, as a parent, as a spouse. Uh, you are not exempt from being a good person just because you got a lot of money. And if yeah. you are a good person and you can use that money to go and make an even bigger impact and a better you know, uh, difference in people's lives, that's what we like to talk about. So on this particular episode, it's all about making money. as much of that dough so you can go and... <laughs> Sorry, I jumped the gun a little bit. You're getting a little excited over there. We're talking his language. Money, money, but being the honey with money and attracting more flies with honey than vinegar. Exactly. So if that resonates with you guys, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss another episode. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes if you enjoy listening to the show or Spotify, whatever pl- uh, podcasting platform you enjoy You know, consuming our content on. And uh, don't forget to share this with somebody. Shoot us a text at 844-447-1555 to say what up. If you guys haven't taken advantage of your free financial x-ray, if you don't got your financial house in order, or let's say you think you do, but maybe you don't feel very confident in who the manager or advisor or individual is that is helping you grow and, and manage and protect your money, then this is a perfect, this is why we do the x-ray. Um, one, because we love our Millionaire Mindcast family and nine times out of 10, we find that people are getting way over feet or they're misallocated and they're really not you know, executing on a plan that ties into their goals and when they want to achieve these financial things. And this is all in respect to your financial portfolios, not necessarily your real estate or your business. This is all about your stock market, Investment. retirement, yep. life planning, you know, insurance-based investments. And that's why we got the man, Mr. Breedwell here. And um, one of the reasons that he does this is because, I mean, dude, you're you're one of these people that I don't want to say you're, uh, what would be the, it's not like a bashful to the truth. Yeah. I mean, in, in your industry, a lot of people do, like it's very run of the mill, right? And they don't know what they don't know. There's an ignorance piece to it, but then there's also like a evil side of it, right? Of like, I'm just doing this to serve myself and I don't give a shit about the client. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of... uh, The way that what I've found is there's a lot of telling of the good side of an investment because any investment, regardless of the merit, bad, mediocre, good, has a story to be told. Hey, look at this really... Look at this company. Look at this insurance policy. Look at this. There's always some hooks behind it, right? Yeah. And everybody, everybody, even the products that I use have something about them that is not going to be preferential, but it has to be explained. And when you understand that it's like, hey, we're doing this one thing and this does all of this for us, but it doesn't do this. But that's why we're doing this thing because it fills that gap and then doesn't do what this does. And it's, it's just shocking to me because you, a lot of the stuff we sell, uh, especially insurance products, they're commissionable. And the biggest thing that I see is guys talking out the side of their necks because they want to make a commission on something. And my biggest advantage is, is I can afford to be honest with people. I don't say that to be facetious or to ring a bell or to tell you. I really will talk to you and just be honest with you. And if there's something I can do to help, I'll help you out. The main thing that I see on the insurance side Guys that use the highest commissionable companies put people into products. They don't tell them they have to pay premiums for a certain period of time. They don't tell them the actual loan costs. They're illustrating at a best case scenario, not an actual case scenario, which is like on your policy. Remember the policy we set up? 
I illustrated at about a 5.74% rate of return. Yep. We just looked at your policies last week. You're cooking about 9%, which is not Matt's. Trust me, Matt will tell you this. Matt said it to me and we were joking about it. That's not his fucking cash cow. That's not his main way of making money. But I will tell you this, all the loans that Matt would have or could have taken out of his policy last year, he would have pulled 6.5% arbitrage on them. You have to ask yourself, if I had that tool, if I had that arrow in my quiver, and I could go buy real estate, like that's what Matt's doing. Mm -hmm. Matt's main throw is real estate. So if he can do something to save long-term and then complement that, why wouldn't he do that? Right. And the main thing I see is the guy selling the policies that are talked about in the books. You know, you get your Rockefeller, you get your you know, BYOB books and all that shit, guys, the laws have changed like 19 times before then. (laughs) Excuse me, 7702 just updated last year and completely changed. You have to work with somebody like myself that is completely adherent to not what's best for me, what's best for you, and can show you the ways to do it. And ultimately, it just boils down to the fact that I'm a fiduciary and I'm required to do what's in people's best interest. Which and I a lot of... Professionals in your space they're aren't. They're not. Right? In fact, the majority... by, by decision too. Correct. Because they don't want to have to be held to that standard. It's like being correct. a real estate, you know, being a real estate agent and being like, mm, I still want to do all the things that a real estate agent does and get all my commissions and, you know, be able to buy and sell and list and, you know, do all of these things. But I don't really want to be held to the laws of the, you know, California or National Association of you know, real estate law yep. and board, because there's a lot of things in there that I might have to say yes, or disclose or do yeah. yep. that, you know, will prevent me from making more money. Right. Yep. And so that's where it's just discern guys, just like you do. You're, you're, you're listening to this show because you're somebody who I can already tell is intelligent. You're looking to grow. You're looking to expand. You're looking to sharpen your ax. You're looking to put more tools on your tool belt. And just because somebody says something is, you know, a good idea or the right thing to do for you, just because we say something is a good idea or the right thing to do for you, discern, yeah. ask questions, mm-hmm. go bring it to your, you know, I call my board of directors, other individuals that I trust that have experience and wisdom and, you know, the expertise to poke holes in what I think might be the right decision for me. So having your board of directors and your council is extremely important. And you know, whether that's in your parenting, whether that's in your business, whether that's in your investments, right? Your retirement, like have a board of directors, at least I do, in every category of my life because one person may be an expert in one thing and they can't speak to shit on the next. And that's okay. Don't. That don't. would be kind of like, not that I'm that way in real estate, but just because a lot of people ask me, that's exactly what I'm kind of like in real estate. Like I am not the expert in real estate. I like real estate and I'm rare because I like real estate and I advise my clients to buy it. But pretty much beyond that, guys, besides I know it works, just like I know when I go put the freaking push the button on my car this morning, it will start up. I don't know the the intricacies. I just know it works. That's why I have Mac. I know I can send my clients over to Mac. And I did last year. We had a bunch of uh, people talk to him about doing the San Antonio deal. And some of the clients did. It's such an advantage to have an expert in your corner because trust me, guys, You'll, God bless you. I'm glad I sound smarter than I am. People call in and ask me real estate questions at, thinking that I am the expert in it. And I'm not the expert in that field, but I do. I'm smart enough and I'm the expert in financial planning and holistic financial planning to know 
all my real estate people all have real estate. Yep. And I mean, A-L-L, all of them. Yep. I don't have one person with a, with a uh, eight-figure net worth that doesn't have it's something besides their house. Dude, and it's funny because a lot of the financial advisors that you know I get to talk to or that you know want to reach out to me and all that, one of the que- first questions I always ask them is, so in terms of holistic planning, what are your thoughts on your clients being in real estate? And it's so funny how almost all of them are like, oh, well, we like, it's always like an excuse. And then it's we like, like to put them in and we like to put them in this and that and da, da, da. Oh. And, and they don't like the, any of their clients wealth flowing outside of their control. Yeah. But we have, they have no control when you have no discretionary authority, you can't bill. Right. Which is where you and I are very synergistic in the sense that I'm like, Hey, like, yeah, you got way too much real estate, homie. Like you need to go and talk to this guy right? Because Ryan will help you understand how that can complement, pair, de-risk, you and know, spread your, out and I'll diversify. I'm C player. I'm Matt's B, maybe C player. I know I'm not his A player, minus, minus that he's my boy, but like on his investments, I have, I pale in comparison <laughs> to this other stuff. And vice versa, right? You're When you see somebody that's heavy in just stocks and financial markets, first thing I say is like, have you ever considered using some of the money to purchase real estate? Because literally, like this is where financial advisors get most of it wrong. They see money leaving them and it, it hurts because they're trained by their broker dealer. No, we don't want any money to leave us because that's what happens. But honest to God, if you continue the story, wow, we put our money back into this. Now we lowered our taxable liability. We just increased our monthly cash flow. Can't we now do more stuff with Ryan? Can't we, can't we have less money going towards taxes? So we just loosened our belt up. Now we own a piece of property. We have something to leverage against if we need to. What if there's a dip in the market and it just somehow, it probably wouldn't, but let's just say it made sense to take money out of the equity in the home. There's just all these, all these things that you want to have. And you know, the biggest thing that I see is people that they, you don't want to chase high rates of return. You don't want to do just you know this. You know, it's holistic. It's having every piece of the puzzle together, not just the edges, not just the middle, yep. and creating the full story. So that was a long-winded way of saying, if you guys want to connect with us, reach out. Come on, people. Text the word X-Ray to 844-447-1555 to connect with Ryan and his team on a free financial X-Ray that they'll do for you. 15 more minutes on that road. And, and if you guys... <laughs> Uh, are investors or or have some income that you know maybe passively you're looking to get more involved in syndication deals, you know passive income investment opportunities where you're not the driver, right? You're not the operator. If you have some income and you want to be the one with both hands on the steering wheel and you want to be the one taking the phone calls and you want to be the operator, then that's a great way right? To start building your real estate portfolio. But if you don't, there's plenty of other options as well, right? Like syndications, REITs, you know, crowdfunding, all different types of things. Um, And you can text the word deals to that same phone number, 844-447-1555 to get on my private syndication deals list, where we share out those opportunities specifically with my accredited investors that are on that list. Now you do have to be an accredited investor. And if you don't know what that is, then don't text that word. But if you do, then text the word deals to 844-447 and we'll set up a call um, to connect just so we can understand what your investing goals are. With that being said, I'm curious before we dig in on some news, some market updates, crypto, you know, real estate, um, in terms of holistic planning, and I know, I think I know what your answer is going to be in terms of what it should look like. But let's say, you know, someone's overall net worth is, you know, 100% of a, a pie chart. 
how, what would you say a healthy balance of slices and percentages of that pie should look like in terms of real estate, you know, um, financial markets, insurance? Well, for most people that are not real estate investors, so I will speak to the, the more like not, you're not a real estate investor. Sure. You're not Matt. You're not some other people. You make $200,000 a year. You're a W2 employee, but you want to own real estate. You should probably have a quarter to a third of your um, money into real estate. And then what you do then is you normally in in a traditional portfolio, you would buy paper assets to produce income. You replace your paper assets with real assets like real estate. Those are your income producing assets. Then it allows you to be more heavily leveraged into equities. Matt will tell you equities have more of an upside and downside, but long-term will have more of an upside. So now you're getting an opportunity to make more money and you're taking more risk in your equity investments, but you're actually taking less risk because you have it buffered with uh, cash flow and tax benefits that you don't get from paper assets in a traditional portfolio. You just try to buy... And we try with those people, one, one house at least every two years. You'd be shocked in five years how much cash flow it, you have. I was gonna say, I mean, it's a when when you could really simplify and like understand, obviously, right? The what do they call it? The tenth wonder of the world, which is the compound effect. Yep. If you just did, if you just bought one rental property a year, one, like if you saved up enough money for a down payment, you bought you bought it properly, and you know, you did that for 10 years, you'd have 10 properties over the next 10 years, like one, you can do one. And the amount of principal pay down, the amount of tax advantages, the amount of cash flow, the amount of equity growth. I mean, it's like, just simplify it and play the long term game, guys. Like you don't need to be the lightning in a bottle, the unicorn that gets it all done in one year. Like just, that's the one thing that you and I are so, you know, I think aligned on is, you know, I'm 33. I'm 30. You're 30. And ultimately we're going, dude, if we just do this for the next 30 years, like without the spikes that we know we're going to have and we, you know, hedge our downside, we play consistent, we maybe take some risks. There's no reason you can't be worth like without in your sleep, a hundred million dollars. Yeah. No, no problem. Trying to get, you know, I'm not trying to get to a billionaire overnight because that would be way too stressful too. And God, I mean, let me just tell you something, guys, all those, look at Gary Vee. I promise you that guy's not traveling. I promise you day in and day out, he wakes up and all he does is work. Dude, he's and like that's, a grinder. That's what he's, you do when you are... I want to know what his net worth is. It's got to be getting close to like it's in terms a of... A couple hundred million. Yeah, he's I mean... very leveraged. He has to be. He doesn't just doesn't have the, the cash background. I don't to, know. Like, I mean... He doesn't. He's got a he had a heavy YouTube. amount of crypto holdings. Correct. Like he was early in on Twitter all and Uber paper. and all on paper though. Right. But so I'm just I'm just thinking do, of his overall net worth. He'll take as he'll a whole. Do what most people do. He takes loans against it. Yeah. So he'll be heavily leveraged. That's why he doesn't pay a lot in taxes like most people do. He's just smart enough to wear freaking jeans and a t shirt. I mean, Vanier Vanier Media itself is Vanier over Truck Media is it's over a billion dollar company now. Correct and revenue. And and him and his brother own hundred percent of it. Mm-hmm. So, and then he's got Vanier Sports. Now he's doing Vanier NFTs. He's doing Vanier, like dude is all over the place. But yeah, I mean, n- nonetheless. Yeah. Trust so, me, that looks a lot sexier than it is. When you make a good amount of money to where you just don't have to worry about selling your time, that's really where most people want to be. And I can tell you right now, the number for almost every single listener on here, if you can make $10,000 a month of passive income, right? you're good. Yeah. I mean, for most people, you know, I, I we budget 
about 12K a month. And I mean, that's like, we don't, I got two kids, you know? Yeah, I was say, I don't, I those lo- those don't, lo- don't ever call me and ask me to budget because I'll tell you right now, I am not. You ain't the budgeter, budget. I know. But I'm just saying for most people, right? If you really like said, man, you know, for a relatively healthy and fun, yes. you know, lifestyle, like 10 to 12 in grand California, a month. Yeah, in California, just to clear that up for everybody, $145,000 round up, $145,000 a year. Ain't a shitload of money. It's right. a lot of money. Yeah. But it's not like, oh man, we're going to Disneyland three times a year. That's hey, we're going out to eat once or twice a week. Right. The girls yep. are doing everything they want to do. Mm-hmm. Christmas, we got gifts. Uh, birthdays, we got yeah, gifts. Yeah, we don't live. We do one or a two super big- lavish lifestyle. No, but well, yeah, I'm saying for people that right. you obviously have, you budget to that, but you can do above and beyond that. Sure. I, but on paper, we're around 160, 180. And we do the same thing. Yeah, I have learned how to live and and on half of half of my income. Yeah, so a quarter of my income is what we pretty much play around with. The rest is saved and invested. Yep. So that's why when I joke around and say I don't budget, it's because I know I'm only living on twenty five percent or less of my income. Right. And then we, I literally, I invest every other dollar. I don't know why that's so crazy to people. Uh, Danny Fleshman. Yes. Dan Fleischman? Yeah. Yeah. Dan, excuse me. Yeah. He literally, if you go watch him at any of his speaking, he said, I have a very simple secret. I don't speculate. I only invest. And every single dollar that I don't spend, I invest. And that is why I'm very wealthy. Homie's smart, dude. He's smart. He's, he, all he does is invest. He even will say, the re- all, his card little project, self-funded. Yep. He... he but he did that all with his own money that he invested in himself. Yeah. He is a good example of what happens when you just simply invest and yeah. you're patient. I, I love his brand because one, he's he's very unassuming, right? He's not your oh, like you saw super him, good looking, no idea. super flashy and lavish he type, has great type shoes, of dude. But like shoe game on fleek. But he is really well spoken. He's yeah. consistent. He always brings value. He's, He's honest and transparent. Kind. And I just, I, I love his brand. I think, um, and if you haven't listened to that interview I did with him on the show, uh, just go to millionermindcast.com and, cool, and look that up. It was a cool interview and his story is badass. But with that being said, you know, kind of share my thoughts on it. And and that's why I'm, I'm a little bit different than you, mm-hmm. where I think we just are reverse, right? Of like, in terms of stocks and real estate, Oh yeah, my or up. If I, that is the. That's I would say if, if fifty percent of your portfolio can be real estate, thirty five percent can be you know stocks and bonds, ten percent in insurance, and then five percent for more of your aggressive or alternative or or fringe type of investments. I think that is at least that's what I'm working towards, right? Like that's kind sure. of what my. It all works as long as it adds up to a hundred. Yeah. You just got to have not just one thing be the hundred. Yeah, but or like two. Th- like most people, like like he's saying, they go to the retirement desk in the United States with one thing, a four hundred one k, which is you know it's just a letter of the tax code. And if you think deferring one dollar to pay taxes indefinitely on every dollar that the dollar makes is a good deal, eight four 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 seven. 55 text the red x-ray because it might be some better options let's go good news for main street this week maybe not so good for wall street but i would think it would be uh a shockingly big rise of four hundred and sixty-seven thousand new jobs january u.s non-farm payrolls came in several times the expected increase uh which you know was going against the negative predictions many of the economists thought were going to be coming out in the wake of Omicron. So 
that's something that's positive for the market as a whole, correct? To me, I was I was expecting news like that. And the reason that I was happy that that was going to happen was because it um, when you have a um, an unemployment rate that keeps falling, but people that keep quitting their jobs, it's because they're getting hired into new jobs and that data is lagging. Um, I don't think people were quitting and sitting on their ass like they were in 2020. Yeah. There's no more paycheck protection. Ain't no helicopter there's no, money. There's no helicopter money anymore. It's people are saying, hey, I was in this job for five or six years. Now these companies three years ago are paying 150% or 50% more than they were. Why don't I go work for this company in this industry, have a change of pace, and I'm making more money? It's just that's human psyche tells me that's what's happening. You're bored at your job. You feel like you're stuck. You have a new job opportunity that's going to pay you more and it has better benefits. It's a job rotation. And we saw that start to peek its head out last week in that jobs report. Um, I wouldn't say that that's the be all end all like, hey, there's the nail in the coffin. We're, we're clear blue skies moving forward because unemployment did tick back up to 4%. But guys, we were at like 3.6%, 3.7% pre-pandemic. So we're literally right back where we were pre-pandemic as far as the workforce. Um, the more people that go to work, the higher uh, our tax base is. The lower costs of our um, healthcare and stuff like that is. So it's a good thing when people go to work. Tax dollars going into the workforce, money being made creates discretionary income. Discretionary income creates purchasers. So it's a re- that's the, the kind of thing we're looking at right now. I love it. Now, in terms of, and we'll talk a little bit about how, um, you know, the tensions, rising tensions between Ukraine and Russia, you know, ties into the market. Before we dig into that, you know, some some other interesting headlines over the course of this last week. I, I always think, you know, censorship and, you know, freedom of speech and this this whole debate, you know, is very interesting to me because based on who is, you know, on their soapbox and what side of the aisle it's coming from, it's it's very interesting to see how people either justify censoring someone or argue against it. And, you know, over the course of the last few weeks, Joe Rogan obviously has been um, heavily attacked, you know, yeah. in the uh, mainstream news. And this last week, Spotify removed over 100 episodes of the Joe Rogan podcast amid a controversy of basically some videos and, and some, in, you know, um, sound bites of him using racial slurs. Um, and, you know, some of it was in kind of comedic, uh, contact. Some of it wasn't. Yeah, the majority of it, from what I understand, was not in great taste. Um, I there's a lot of context missing, and I'm sure that stuff is put out of context based on the fact that it's being reported like eight years after that it happened, which is also why it's such a joke to me and not a non-issue. Um, What's interesting though is like like you you brought this up a little bit earlier. Why now? This information was, right, this information has been out there forever. Years. And so it's just fun. Like, to me, you know, now this is all, in my opinion, just an opportunity for activists, you know, to destroy Joe Rogan because he's he's not falling in compliance with the mainstream narrative that they want, right? Um, And so that's where, ultimately, I think... You have to remember, too, a lot of the people that are on the left are, are keyboard warriors. I mean, the people can barely freaking pick up a spoon to eat a bowl of cereal, let alone do anything to, to defend themselves. So whenever they get to vocalize their opinion 
in a way that is protected. They get to hide behind a screen. They get to hide behind a social media account. That's why it gets so blown out of proportion whenever something happens and why it's not a big deal. Now, to, to be fair, there's a lot of stuff that gets blown out of proportion because the right does it to the left too. It's anytime people that are afraid to speak without having repercussion get to hide behind something and just rant and rave and yell and, and regurgitate what the media says, this is the outcome. Yeah. I, I mean, at the end of the day, this is about, in my opinion, showing people what happens when you challenge the establishment or that you you are questioning or, or bringing attention or spotlighting something that could be a threat to the establishment, right? Yeah. So you see it happening in Canada. I mean, like, and I'm not saying this is right or wrong, but like, the media will will throw Joe Rogan under the bus and then they'll immediately to call, you know, not say, you know, Justin Trudeau is quoted as saying, I wore blackface so many times I can't even remember. Yeah. So like, is that like, I wonder what would happen if Joe Rogan said that. Right. And it's that there's no, when there's not a level playing field, I don't, I don't play. It's just, it's not fair. You have no, no filter to put it through. It's just bias. It's all bias. I saw this the other day and I thought it was kind of interesting is the Rogan hit job started with misinformation that didn't stick. So now it's racism. Next, it will be misogyny. After that, it'll be transphobia. They are trying to make him radioactive because they fear his influence. I mean, when you see the amount of listenership he has, yeah. you know, I promise with the you next Spotify top isn't getting 10. rid of him either. No way. That's too much money. Welcome, they, welcome to what happens when money's made, even yeah. by the person you don't like. Right. And so, like, this, in my opinion, isn't about hate. This isn't about, you know, him being a racist. Like, this is about silencing a powerful man that they can't control who has the attention, right? Currency, you know, truth being discussed in an open forum that isn't you know, allowed to be questioned. Yeah. Joe Rogan could go start his own podcast. He has all the money in the world that he needs. He could charge $5 a month. And I promise you. Well, you know, it was interesting too. Um, Dave Portnoy, you know, of Barstool Sports. And yeah. uh, dude, I love him. He's an entrepreneur. He's an ent badass entrepreneur He's as well. honest to a fault. Yeah. He will. He will the, when he but I like, I, out, I like people like that. So that keep it fucking real, man. Like when he speaks, I can listen. Because then you know, like, okay, at least he's keeping her real. Like, yes. I may not like what he says, or I may not, you know, necessarily align with what he says. But like, when there's, I can appreciate people who are transparent, even if I don't like them, because I, I know where they stand. 100%. And that's, let me tell you something. So what did, what did he come out and say this he week? He literally came out and was like, hey, look, I'm not saying I like Joe Rogan. I don't really know him. I don't listen to to his show that much. And in fact, I reached out to him to be on his show and he never responded. So not fuck Joe Rogan, but I'm not also saying here, hey, Joe Rogan's the greatest guy ever. What I will say is, you guys are digging up a bunch of BS in his past. You're doing the same thing to me. They're digging up like three times that Dave Portnoy said the N-word as well. And he's like, and it just doesn't, like, you're, it's, my stuff's completely out of context. It's like, I literally, like, I have, I, Two times I was quoting somebody else that said it. And the other time I was talking to somebody about what somebody else had said. And I was confirming if that's what they said. Right. So like, that's not me. Yeah, Joe Rogan's was a little different. Joe, right? There yeah, was he, like... And Dave Porn even said, hey, 70 times in 12 years, that's an issue, my man. That's yeah. obviously like you did some a mess up. But you know what? 
for the for the cancel culture, he pretty much saying in Dave Portnoy is big against cancel culture. Fuck cancel culture. Yep. Stop, leave him alone. It already happened. You clearly didn't care about it when it did happen. You don't care about it at all. And stop lying and saying that you do. It's uh, it's just again that narrative. Anytime they can jump on something that fits their narrative, it just is they'll ride that pony until the hooves fall off. Yep. Well, this is so you know. Some people love him. Some people hate him. Andy Frisella, um, you know, MF CEO project, founder of First Form. Um, dude's a, a patriot through and through. I'll just say that. And sometimes his delivery can overshadow the message and the words that he's saying. But other times, like, he's very well-spoken. And he kind of reminds me of Trump in a, in, a, in a few ways of like, sometimes what the root of what they're doing makes a ton of sense, but how they go about doing it misses the point of like really bringing people into your cause. That being said, I'm just going to read you one of the things that I screenshotted from him. He said, political correctness and censorship are instruments of mind control. They are weapons. They are anti-truth. They, ru- they ruin humor. They ruin culture. They ruin civilizations. They stop progress in society. They destroy creativity. They create injustice of many kinds. Stop the fake outrage, which is, you know, this is kind of just in the context of what we're talking about with Joe Rogan, but you can go back over the last couple of years and see it being spotlighted and displayed in so many different ways. Um, Stop letting them, you know, quotes, tell you what to be mad about and how to be mad about it. And then he some some choice words, and then this is America. And he said, PSA, I'm not going along with any of this crazy shit. Right is right, wrong is wrong. Victims are not criminals. Criminals are not vic- aren't victims. People are free to do what they want, and people are free to think whatever they think about. The laws need to be enforced. People should be held accountable firmly. If you judge someone on the color of their skin, no matter what the color, you are a racist, and I want nothing to do with you. This is America, and we need to remember who the F we are um, and stop tolerating this divisive bullshit from anyone or any organization. So, you know, I think in general, we're just, we're seeing like these culture wars be waged and people are falling right into them. Yeah, but the people that fall into it, it's... Um, it's very soft. Yeah, and, I, and it's just like, it's, it's, they're coddled into this idea that what they're doing is good. And the problem is it, it, that would be a lot easier to dispel if they weren't being fed the same narrative from the media day in and day out. Go get your 27th boost. Go get vaccinated for this. Go get vaccinated for that. Don't do this. Don't do that. Magically, next week in California, COVID's going to disappear on the 15th of February, and I guarantee you it ain't going to come back. Yep. So like, well, actually, I shouldn't say that. Never, I don't think it never. will come back. It's it's just. When all uh, the people that are in from Houston, they're like, oh, yeah, we brought, you know, I'll have to wear a mask. You're not going to wear a mask anywhere. Nobody's enforcing that. Nobody. Nobody. We literally walked into a place and they were laughing because we were pulling them out of our pocket because I'd never been there. And they go, oh, no, 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 you don't got to wear that. We have to, so we don't get in trouble in case the health inspector comes around, but you guys don't have to wear one. Yeah. So it's, it's time. It, but people are, I think that, well, I if, don't know if they're going to take it. If California is having the, uh, Super Bowl in LA, one of the most strict lockdown areas before the mask mandate, right? Like, then I think, uh, hopefully, COVID, Omicron, and Delta are behind Everybody's us. Everybody's just holding their breath, and it's an endemic now. But I mean, when you see, you know, 
uh, I saw, I thought it was funny, the meme that was going around from the previous weekend, you know, of um, LA Rams Stadium, you know, their new SoFi Stadium, which is this sick, badass stadium. All of these celebrities there, all of them, you know, kind of partying in the suites, no mask, Gavin, Gavin Newsom and Caprio is chin diaper and at least <laughs> Gavin Newsom and um, Magic Johnson taking pictures together. And this meme, you know, that's floating around is like, you know, the guy, the tyrant, essentially, who still got California under a state of emergency, mind you, and complete authoritarian control, one man rule. And a quote unquote immunocompromised person. Magic, yeah, Magic Johnson. And then our kids, you know, are still wearing and masked up every single day, social distancing while these guys are partying. You know, they're like, okay, I think we can open back up. But this week, John Hopkins study says that ill founded lockdowns did little to limit, if anything, in terms of COVID deaths. Three prominent economists slam COVID lockdowns and school closures and say they should never happen again. I mean, it's like all the stuff that people were saying all along that didn't want to fall into compliance with. It's liberals. Well, I'm saying the the opposite. No, I'm saying the opposite. All the people like you and I and other individuals that are like, this doesn't make sense. Yeah. This isn't right. This isn't saving people. This isn't protecting you. This isn't X or Y or Z. Like, all of that info now in hindsight has been coming out. And, you know, again, like, just be open to having conversations with people. And if they don't want to do what you want to do, like, be okay with it. But quit forcing people to do what you think they need to do. Like, at the root of all of that, it's wrong. So just very interesting to see a lot of that stuff coming out. The Freedom Convoy up in Canada, they're getting, you know, tons of support, but also getting, again, blasted, saying that they're extremists and domestic terrorists. And literally, I think the they they got, like, minion blow-up statues and, like, they're they're like scrubbing actual statues and cleaning up downtown Ottawa, like compared to like what, you know, let's say BLM BLM. did and goes and, you know, destroys all kinds of stuff. Um, Mind you, BLM got all of their funds from GoFundMe. GoFundMe revoked all the funds that the Freedom Convoy was getting donated. And it was like millions of dollars. They got cowboys cruising in on, you know, horses. Horses. They got tractors coming in. Like the farmers have joined. It's really interesting to see the two narratives of like what's going on, you know, in the city, because I have a friend who lives in Ottawa, and then the narrative that's going on in, you know, mainstream left, let's say left wing media. People are the truckers are harassing people and being extremists and doing this. And it's like they're they're highlighting isolated incidences when that was like completely overshook with blm while trudeau is hiding you know in his in his house blm has also made the news if you guys uh we'll talk about it briefly but yeah what? Their, their charter is getting revoked in multiple states they're under investigation for being a essentially a ponzi scheme slash scam and the uh, which totally takes away from what the real root of correct. people are trying to you know get you know yeah, i was in terms of the movement many, but like saying this for many i've been saying it for like a year and a blm is, like blm has no it, interest in in african-american or, or pushing the narrative forward for them all they care about is taking money in and, and literally funneling it into their pockets and their founder i forget her name but she's therese or or Sharice something yeah she's just off buying uh 
real estate real with estate. the funds. Yep. They haven't filed a tax return since 2020. They took over. Patrice Colores Khan. There she goes. Is Definitely tied to several other fundraising organizations whose finances raise potential red flags. Meanwhile, she's been on the personal real estate buying spree while BLM funds transferred to a Canadian nonprofit run by her spouse have gone for other dubious purchases. Yeah. Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast and trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's myfirst50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. It's I mean, just essentially, like, it's, like you said, it's, yeah, it's, it's a Ponzi it's, scheme, it's right? A Ponzi scheme. They're taking money in, they're putting a little bit of money out, but which is unfortunate because all it does is tarnish what the people who are really trying to fight for and create narrative around and have conversations, you know, and and, and work with injustices are really trying to accomplish, and and that's unfortunate, you know. But that also comes back to leadership, yep. you know. If you if you endorse the wrong leaders and you buy in without questioning what they're doing or holding them accountable to the standards of what they should be doing, or have transparency in what they actually are doing, then this is a perfect example of, well, then you should have been a little bit more discerned in who you followed and what questions you asked and what actions you took and and how you supported those people. So whether it's BLM, you know, or it's your financial advisor, or it's who you invest in a syndication with, or it's who you get into partnership with or business with, guess what? This is called the big boy, big girl rule of life. Like you are responsible for doing what is necessary. You make your bed and you lie in it. Yeah. I mean, so I, um, I can feel for people, but at the end of the day, right. And we all make mistakes, but at the end of the day, right. Like no one's going to care more about your money. No one's going to care more about your health. No one's going to care more about your business. No one's going to care more about your job, your family, your life than you. So, you know, that, that, that's something that just still blows my mind of people. Well, but no, you are responsible for yourself, your life and everything that goes in it. That being said, Ukraine and Russia, there's a lot going on here. We're starting to see some tensions really heat up. 
We're starting to see U.S. troops actually get deployed and moved over into Ukraine. First Airborne is there right now. One of my buddies is, uh, you know, Jason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was like, hey, yeah, I got a bunch of buddies that are still active and they're 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 spun up and they're over there and they're on a 72 hour notice that they're going to get a three day notice that they're going to need to be ready to go. Um, in my opinion, I told you this earlier, I think Putin has put himself in a pretty precarious situation. He's made himself this badassery leader who who rules through, you know, shirtless fishing trips on the back of his horse, which is weird. Um, and, you know, has this hard image and he's stacked all these troops on the border. And I feel like if he pulls the troops back, it makes him look weak because that's the image he's kind of put for himself. And But if he pushes the troops forward, it's going to cause international conflict. The likes we may not have seen since the last world war. It's going to take it's going, Ukraine cannot defend itself against Russia for an extended period of time. No chance. They can't. No. Um, will the world sit back and watch That's Russia? the question. And I don't think they will. I think that the Georgia situation back in 2014 was the last time that that was probably going to happen. And I hope that the world kind of puts Putin in check because all he's doing is pushing the world closer and closer to a world conflict that it does. It, that the last we just last thing we need right now yeah. is a comp, a war. I mean, how ironic because everybody would immediately forget about COVID and then the war would be the only thing that's important now and COVID would magically disappear. Uh-huh. But it's just, it's is stupid. That, I mean, could that argument be made that this is all part of uh, a sequence of events that I don't know that was designed and, and planned and architected sure. to I'm, you can make a truth out of anything you want. I don't. I would not subscribe to that narrative. I think that there's a uh, the, the Crimea Peninsula has been happening a long time in Ukraine, and I just think that I do think that yes, to your point, it was a time where there was a something else going on. So it was, hey, let me just throw this extra iron into the fire because it's there's already a bunch of other shit burning. Um, if it does happen, it's going to be a snap down for the economy. Another re. We'll have another probably correction, and then we'll probably have a rebalancing of assets into different areas like U.S. aerospace and defense, industrials, and stuff like that. I hope it doesn't happen because it's just not a nece- it's it's just not necessary. Yeah. Well, with that being said, how does that tie into the markets? Are they baking in? Is it already baked in? Is it no? no. So it's it's a day by day. No. It is not baked. That is not in the market. That is not baked into the market at all. If that happens, there will be a pretty sharp downturn in the stock market. It also um, it also would hurt the real estate market. Um, it, wars tend to have a sharp effect on every asset class because things are going to happen that are completely out of people's control, mm-hmm. and that's something that we don't see a lot. All we have to do is go back and look at when we declare. You kind of have to look back at times too when metrics of finance were different. So like that was a, the U.S. was selling war bonds because we didn't have enough money to go to war. So like, I have never experienced that. I don't know what that looks like. I have a feeling that if the U.S. government is borrowing money from its own citizens to go to war, though, that's probably a time when we're, when shit's hitting the fan. Not so good. Yeah. So I, I'm not, I don't want to deal with that. I would rather that cooler heads prevail. Ukraine should be allowed to join NATO if they want to because every country has a right to do what they so choose to do so with their people. 
and govern themselves in a way they want to be governed, just like we respect Russia to govern their people within their borders the way they want to do it, and China the way they want to do it in their borders. I think that needs to be extended onto Ukraine. I obviously think that the, that what uh, Russia is trying to do is just rebuild the old Soviet Union that crumbled. They're essentially trying to go back to the 90s and, and revamp up and become a, a superpower next to China so that they can bolster themselves around with the United States. And I just don't think it's going to happen. Well, I hope that doesn't happen. But at least in terms of what we're seeing right now in the real estate world is that the market is healthy and strong. Now, that depends, I guess, on who you are and what side of the fence you sit on. If you're a seller, you're sitting pretty happy, right? If you're a holder of real estate, you're feeling pretty good about where you're at right now. If you're a buyer, you might be a little bit discouraged. Yes. You know, the double trouble of the housing market, you know, examines the impact that, you know, rapidly escalating home prices and diminishing housing inventory has really created. I don't want to say a housing affordability crisis, but a challenge. We are in a housing affordability crisis. I will say that. Like, as we housing affordability, we just talked about it on Saturday with our call. It's back where it was in 2000, like April of 2008, which is something to pay attention to. It's bad. But you it's know? also, it's more bad when it's coupled with a shitload of inventory. And it's not coupled with that. No. There's no inventory. So that, act, that statistic actually makes sense. It doesn't make sense when you have too many houses to sell and nobody to buy them and then nobody can afford them. Lawrence Yoon, the uh, chief economist for the National Association of Realtors, um, basically said, due to the ongoing inventory shortage and rising interest rates, homeownership attainment will become especially challenging unless drastically more housing supply is available. Now, we do know that, you know, builders are putting as much inventory in the pipeline as they possibly can. Um, but at the end of the day, there's to, to curb the demand right now, they, they can't keep up with it. So there's definitely more runway. There are things that could happen over the course of the next year or so that could, you know, shift the teeter totter, let's say, and create a little bit more balance and or eventually, right, tip it more back into, but at the end of the day, it's all going to be driven by inventory. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that is like the lead domino of all of this potentially knocking other dominoes over that could, you know, drastically correct the real estate market. And we just don't see that. More than 400,000 fewer affordable homes are available for sale for households earning $75,000 to $100,000 when compared to the start of the pandemic. So we're seeing a drastic, a dr I mean... 245,000 homes in December of 2021 that were considered affordable for people earning between $75,000 and $100,000 a year versus 656,000 homes in December of 2019 that were considered affordable for that same earning demographic. So, I mean, look at that. That's practically, you know, two thirds of a cut off of inventory that those people can actually afford. It's the Bitcoin problem, scarcity. So that's where if you're somebody that's looking to hold real estate, can invest in it, you know, and I want to play this, that, that clip because I think that this ties into that a little bit in terms of if you can get into real estate, you can buy right, you can operate properly, 
you know, people are going to keep renting. I mean, the ones that can't afford, what are they? But their only other option is rent. Rent. Yep. So if you're somebody who's trying to fight inflation right now, who wants to be in a hard asset, that wants cash flow, that wants equity upside, then real estate is going to be one of your absolute best options. And this was a little soundbite that I think, you know, would be important for you guys. And you and I talked a little bit about it, but give it a listen. Concept of inflation diminishes the burden of debt. And that the people who control the levers who decide if we're going to have inflation or not have inflation are basically trying to relieve the largest debtor in the world, the United States government, of the burden of its debt. Now you understand why our system is so full of inflation. So rather than try to fight against that by being a saver, you actually ride the wave by becoming a borrower. Inflation is a wealth transfer from savers to borrowers. I personally think it's evil and unethical, but it's the system that we live in. And so you either have a choice to be victimized by it or profit from it. And my choice is I'm going to go ahead and try to profit from it. Thoughts yep. on that? Um, I, I think I said earlier, you ultimately, even if you leverage, you end up becoming the end is you're still a buyer. Um, you can make money by leveraging. That's the secret to real estate. If leverage didn't exist, real estate wouldn't be what it is. Um, but I still think, here's what I'll say. If you buy and you take one step and you leverage and you take three, if you fail leveraging, the fall is a lot harder than if you buy. But if you don't have the profits to buy, you have to leverage. So it's a it's a double-edged sword. I think there's a lot of truth there. I just think ultimately it comes down to buying the proper asset. Yeah, you got to buy right, operate right, and wait it out. You know. And ultimately, though, what he what I will say tucked into that is what we've been saying is people are going to buy real assets and not buy paper assets. And in fact, use paper assets to buy real assets, mm-hmm. which leverage would be paper using to buy a real asset. Buying would be using paper or yep. another asset to buy an asset. Yep. So in end goal inflation is you have to have a real tangible asset or real ownership in a company or something that's real, mm-hmm. not like I'm just lending money. Yeah. Because you don't have anything to show after the money's lent. That's it. I think that we're going to see, at least in my opinion, well, it's already happening. Look at what, what Wall Street is doing. This is smart money, guys. So just pay attention to the groups and the organizations that have ridiculous amounts of cash and track records and expertise and smart people on their payroll and what they're doing. And Main Street, Wall Street, I mean, is leveraging as much as they possibly can right now with how cheap money is to buy hard, tangible assets and real estate. Look at Blackstone. Look at Sam Zell. Look at pretty much every large hedge fund, private equity group, sovereign wealth fund. They are dumping as much money as they possibly can into real estate right now. And so boil that down in terms of how it trickles down to the small you know, mom and pop investor or the midsize investor or small, you know, fund, right? Is you have the ability to leverage cheap money at the end of the day. You know, in the grand scheme of things, it's still the it's cheapest interest rate. You're, you're, what are you complaining about? And 
find real quality assets in good areas that you know you can operate intelligently in and you can perform well over an extended period of time. And it is going to be an investment and wealth building vehicle that really is an opportunity of a lifetime for many people if you do something smart with this low interest rate environment that we're in right now and buy real quality assets that could set you and your family up for many generations to come. Yeah. I, um, I was talking to my dad, he's 56 the other day, and he was telling me like, you know, just so you know, I would not refinance anything for a long, long time. He's like, unless you're going to take that out and buy something that's going to give you a multiple by that. Because like he said, mark my words, this is the cheapest you'll see money for the next 25 years. It's not... And my dad's been through this. He's, yeah. He lived through hyperinflation. He lived through zero, near zero interest rates. He's been through it. He told me. And he's not always right. We, are, we go back and forth. But he's got some years around the block on me and you. And he essentially is like, just so you know... Money will not, in my opinion, be this cheap. Maybe in my lifetime ever again. Pretty much. Not for a while, for your lifetime. I mean, pretty much some of the smartest guys that I'm around that are two, three, five, you know, north, couple hundred million dollar net worth. Every single one of them are in lockstep on that exact same narrative. Same exact narrative. So guys, take advantage of this opportunity. Don't be scared, right? You always hear us say scared money don't make money, right? Stale money sitting on the sideline don't make money. So (laughs) it's one of those things where if even if it's a little baby step in the right direction for you and that gets you in the game and at least you're getting on base, right? You do that over and over and over again. Eventually, you're going to be putting up some runs on on the scoreboard that are going to, in hindsight, make a big difference for you and going to give you the confidence, going to get you in the arena, right? The man in the arena, I always love that. It's like, hey, the man in the arena fails. But after you're in that arena long enough, you're going to learn how to play the game and to connect the dots and who's, you know, who are the players that you want to be networked with and associated with? How do you want to you know, ultimately strategize to achieve what you're trying to accomplish in that arena? And the only way you're ever going to figure that out only way you're going to get that clarity, it's not by reading about it. It's not by listening to us over and over on a podcast. It's ultimately going to be through you taking action and getting in there and having, you know, skin in your knee and cutting your elbow. And eventually you're going to figure out how not to do those things anymore and what you do need to do in order to win and unlock the results that you're looking to unlock. And so that's why we love to bring these conversations is, yeah, we can talk strategy, but a big piece of this too a very critical piece of this is just the mindset of getting in there and building that confidence through repetition and action. And without you doing that, without you, if you continue to overthink these things, you're never going to take those actions. So that's why I love getting messages from you guys. You know, when you text us 844-447-1555, send us some wins, like hearing, I bought my first property or I opened up a life insurance policy with Ryan or whatever it may be, like, these are the things that a year down the road, two years down the road, five years down the road, I can guarantee you, you will thank yourself. You will thank yourself for taking those actions because the last thing you want to do is look up in five years and be exactly where you're at. Agreed. That is depressing to me. So before we wrap up, Bitcoin, Ethereum, crypto markets, what are we seeing? What are you hearing? 
Speculation, man. Said said last week. Here's my crypto por- or two weeks ago. I have a crypto portfolio. I speculate in it. I still prefer real estate, insurance, stocks over crypto. I did not buy the dip. Um, I did dollar cost average like I did with everything, and I bought in the dip. But I did not put a bunch of money in. I think if you're speculating, do just that. Speculate. Do not put 100 percent of your portfolio or your investments into that. It's not regulated. When it becomes regulated, that's when it's a good time to kind of go into that kind of stuff. If you got any questions or comments on crypto, shoot us a text, 844-447-1555. Here's one that I am. Um, so I've been digging in on the NFT space and you know I'm always interested in learning and, and what's out there. And man, I mean, crypto, metaverse, there's some, you know, Web3, there's some real exciting opportunities there. And it's also so early still it's very clunky. It's very um, scammy still. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in order for there to be mass adoption, like there's still so many hurdles that need to be overcome and really get work through. Um, but I bought an NFT this weekend and I dug in and, you know, started, you know, like I always do, just start watching YouTubes and start listening to podcasts and start reading articles and, 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 that only got me so far. And I was like, I just need to buy an NFT. I just need to figure out how to do this. Even if I lose money, I'm just going to, this is going to be a price of education. So I bought a donut NFT. The, it's called the Donut Shop. Mm. And they have stores, donut shop, like luxury donut shops that they are in Miami, Los Angeles, and New York. And you get one free donut a day by having this NFT token and then being a part of their community and da 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 da, right? 99 out of 100 NFT projects are going to be absolutely worthless. Mm -hmm. But the way people are learning about NFTs and the blockchain right now just happens to be through art. That's that's why it's starting to take on this new form, right? And so um, as I started digging in more and started doing more research, I come across, you know, Gary Vee did his V-Friends NFT project. And I mean, literally, they're fucking stick figures. Yeah. Like drawings. Draw them on paper. Yeah, yeah. $90 million sold in NFTs. Yeah. 45 million of that ish went back to him. And mind you, right? Like the project is okay, the NFT is, it just happens to be this thing, you know, of a stick figure drawing. But that stick figure drawing, having that NFT also gets you X and Y and Z and da 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 da. Right. And so, I was digging into that wormhole and I go and I come across the Fly Fish Club. Mm -hmm. Did you hear about that? No. Okay. So the Fly Fish Club is essentially Gary Vee partnered up with three other Michelin star chefs out of New York. And they essentially are creating, you know, of the Sutter Club in Sacramento. Okay. So think Sutter Club. This is like an exclusive membership only club. You can't get into this place or have access to this place, this exclusive cool kids, you know, type of club, right? Without being uh, a member to the Sutter Club. So he essentially created that through the Fly, Fly Fish Club is it's going to be this cool restaurant, this cool, you know, hangout space where they only have a certain amount of memberships. They are going to have the restaurant and the other stuff inside of this thing. And he ended up selling $20 million worth of memberships to this thing. Yeah, the only problem with it is ultimately all of it has the exact same issue. 
it prices out the people that it's supposed to be helping because rich people will just go in and buy it all up and then it'll just become a rich people's club. Right. And that's essentially what he's doing right now. It's yeah. a, it's a rich people's club for you want to be just like board apes, right? Like you want a board ape? Well, if you ain't got $200,000 at the floor price of what these things are, then so that's why the celebrities are going, oh, I want one of those. That's the Achilles heel of NFTs though, because they're... because individual investors want to be a part of them, but ultimately they're just ways to be a part of an exclusive club, which I'm a part of many exclusive that, but that's o- clubs. But that's only particular ones. So this is where I'm saying like, these are the ones that we're seeing right now where it's going to start shifting is like real companies that have real utility and value to offer like a Nike or an Adidas or these other companies that want to give anybody I already the, have, the cheap guy, right? I, do, like, I have I, Adidas already has creators club. You yeah. don't have to buy an NFT. I get 50% off all my shoes. They give pre-release. I don't have to buy anything. I just have to spend a thousand dollars per year. Right. But they're going to start going into NFTs and the metaverse because think of it like internet 3.0 right? If there's a million eyeballs in this universe and you want the prime real estate or you want a prime piece that you can go and buy that ad spot or go and you know, get that real estate to get in front of that attention, that's a whole new universe that they're going to start you know, basically creating their I, own... There's not many times that I agree with Kanye... But I fuck with Kanye. Okay. Stop asking me to buy a fucking NFT. I do real things for the real world Mm -hmm. and make real products. Yep. I think we're so... Web3 is just the internet owned by the companies we already bitch and moan about that already are censoring and controlling us. I definitely don't want to be a part of that. It's already bad on the current web web we have. But isn't it decentralized? So how do they yeah, how do they sad. own it if it's that's decentralized? A, that's a sexy that's a sexy way to say something that nobody understands because what is decentralized? It's almost like when cloud well, computing came it's, out. It's split like, across it's, the blockchain, right? So it is, but ultimately, so like no, not one a, person owns no, but all of the blockchain. But a lot of people own a little bit of it, and then when it's for sale, just like with Bitcoin, mm-hmm. one person can go in and start buying up P and then they control it. Right. That's what would eventually happen to Web3. Don't be fooled. Watch Twitter. The people behind it are bad. Jack Dorsey doesn't like Web3, I think. I don't know. I just don't agree with it. I think it's on hype with a bunch of other stuff going on right now. There's always hype. I do think NFTs ultimately, I'll say, I've said it before, I'll say it again, it'll be used for tickets and contracts. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. where it's ultimate yeah. life Yeah, tickets, contracts, but here's also where I'm going. So like, to, to close the loop on the Gary V story, essentially, Gary V raised $20 million through his NFT club. They don't even own the restaurant yet. They don't own the real estate yet. They haven't even launched anything to do with the restaurant yet, but he pre-sold based on the exclusivity of this, the perceived value, right? The artwork, the who you're going to get to hang out with. They're now going and buying a dope-ass spot of true, tangible, hard real estate using this membership club money of the NFT that these NFT holders don't own any of that real estate. They don't own any of that business that's going in there. So they essentially use NFTs as crowdfunding to go and buy a real asset to launch a real business. And they don't share any of the profits or anything with those NFT holders. So the NFT holder just to get to go to the restaurant once it's built. Yeah. And they still have to pay for the damn food once they're in there. That's why I think it's a bad... That's why 
that right there is why I think it's the, the NFTs are fucking stupid. The person running it is essentially not scamming, but it, it kind of taking people's money. Feels like a Ponzi scheme a little bit, right? Well, yeah, kind of. Well, but there's an, there's another guy. All those people just bought real estate, like real real estate. It, that's which where is that's where I just. But here, but here's so here's it's interesting, right? Because my my th- line of thinking, this is what I'm noodling on, guys, is how do you bring real value to those people? In the sense of taking crypto funds and actually getting them into real estate assets that they own a piece of, that they get a dividend and a, a return on. So REIT already exists. They'll just change the subfunding of it. That's why I'm telling you, crypto is not impressive to me. It's just a retooling of things that already exist, exist. in a different way. And just, do you want to know why it's sexy? Because we have such a terrible education system on how money works anyway. So yep. people are like, wow. This is new. It's really not that new. I mean, ledger based, ledger based money is how we already do money. I know. I just don't get why people think that that's. It's just a retooled way. So I'm not, and you know that I'm not a hype. I'm not hyped up on crypto. I don't think it's what it what people think it is. I don't even think it's what you think it is. But that's why we have. Oh, I don't even know what I think it is. It's it's too, I, it's already. That's what I'm saying. For mass adoption, it's still too clunky. It it's to still be, too confusing. I, but at the end of the day, the financial markets is the same exact way. It's but the, it's regulated. It, it is regulated. Okay, and so there's some sort of ceiling and some sort of floor. It's gray. Mm-hmm. It's, and you find it normally when you smack into it. But at least it's there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For and sure. It's a fair way. But it eventually, that the crypto space will be that as well. That's when I'll be excited about it. Yeah. Because right now, and it's, you can fucking make a stick yeah. for $90 million. Which that is crazy. Is crazy. Yeah. But at the same time, I also think that, again, real value-based projects have a really great window of opportunity right now to align with the right people in the crypto space and bridge the gap from crypto to physical assets. And there's some opportunity to bring value to both sides of that. And so that's what I'm interested in. I'm not interested... And the short-term scammy, make $90 million. Not saying that that's what Gary Vee was scamming people, but I want to understand like this being a 20 or 30-year play and how do you kind of nestle into the opportunity now and be early with a real value-based project and saying, what if you could raise enough money to go and buy the next hotel that I'm going to build? And all of the NFT holders have a membership to that hotel. They get four weeks a year, kind of like a timeshare. And they get priority of you know making a reservation at the restaurant anytime they want. And they get 25% discounts at all of the bars in the hotel. And when we have you know an exclusive only DJ club or a this or a that, right? It's this exclusive membership ticket to a real asset that they could potentially, the piece that I'm really interested in exploring is not just the membership, but the actual investment and ROI that their crypto money going into that could own a piece of that asset like a syndication and using crypto funds that are out in the crypto ether to come in and help you scale and build your real estate portfolio. That's what I'm very interested in. It's real. I'm sitting here. You guys can't see. I'll knock that down. I have this solid... It's a it's a gold plated coin, and it's for a restaurant that I am a exclusive member of, almost like Gary, you know that whole mm-hmm. thing. Yep. And guess what it does? This this did have a cost. I didn't pay for it. It was gifted to me. Okay. But this the cash value of this is a thousand dollars. Yeah. 
and what it gets you. They have special hours for members. They're only open during for members during that time. Yep. You get happy hour pricing on yep. food and alcohol the whole time. There's special events. You can buy wine through their... So I don't disagree with the concept, but I'm sitting here holding this coin yep. in my hand. And I like that a lot more than an NFT. I saw another story this weekend where a board ape got stolen again through a Solana bridge mm-hmm. scam and some guy lost about... Two, I think those are like twenty million dollars. Some of them, aren't they? No, they're they're. I think the highest price one that sold was like they're one of the expensive a, ones. They are the most expensive. Yeah. One. So he lost, and I think they lost. He lost two of them, and they're essentially, I think that the oh, it's two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, because I think he uh, he he should have listed them for three hundred thousand a no, piece, and they he forgot a zero or something, and they he didn't list them. He didn't have them. He had them listed really high. They found a, an error in the coding, and he had them listed for a price on Solana, and they essentially backdoored the Solana. So that's what I'm saying. Like yeah, it's still so confusing. And so I and own it's Solana. So, yeah, it's just really confusing and clunky still, and scammy, and so that's where I think. There's a long way to go for mass adoption. Okay. It's got to have regulation. It's got to be simplified. But at the same time, like there's some opportunity there. And that's what I'm interested in exploring of taking crypto investments and crowdfunding to go and buy real <laughs> assets. And you guys get real cash flow. Yes. That is what I'm going <laughs> to be digging no in on. If you guys are interested in having me dig into that a little bit more and sharing, shoot me a text, 844-447-1555. Don't forget to take advantage of your free financial x-ray or getting on my deals syndication list. And if you enjoy our show, guys, all we ask is that you support us by hitting that subscribe button, leaving a five-star review on iTunes, sharing it with a friend, a family member, tag us on social media. We love connecting with you guys. And until next week, we'll see you guys. Cheers. Cheers, cheers, cheers. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of Wealth Building Wednesday. Be sure to tune in next week for more news and updates. If you got some value from today's show, all we ask is that you either leave a review on whatever podcasting platform you enjoy listening to this content on or share this with somebody that you know can gain some insight, some value from it. One of the things that you guys know about Ryan and I is, you know, we definitely won't say we have all the answers and we definitely won't say we know it all. We just want to bring conversation to the areas, the topics that we believe are really important to bring attention and awareness to, to help you sharpen your ax, put more tools on your tool belt, weaponize you to make the best decisions that align not only with your financial goals, right, but your lifestyle goals. So if you guys want to take advantage of Ryan's free financial x-ray on your investment portfolio, all you have to do is text the word x-ray to 844-447-1555. Most people have no idea what they're being charged from a fee perspective or really in most cases overcharged and whether or not their current investment plan is actually aligned with what they're trying to accomplish and by when. And this is something Ryan does for all of our listeners for free. So be sure to take them up on that X-ray, one word, 844-447-1555. Also, if you are someone who is serious about building your wealth and you're already kind of established, but you want to surround yourself with other like-minded, high net worth individuals, be sure to text WEALTHCAMP, one word, to 844-447-1555 to learn more about our intimate five-star experiences with other like-minded business owners and investors to cross-pollinate, to hear what they're doing, and to have a whole, a whole hell of a lot of fun while we're doing it. And last, if you want to know more about consulting or getting mentorship directly from me or from Ryan, you can learn more by texting the word MENTOR to 844-447-1555. With that being said, that's all for this week. Until next 
keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your march to a million and beyond. Cheers, my friends.